You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Bobby Massey gets a contract extension. We talk about 2019 Bears potential breakout stars. And oh, by the way, the Pro Bowl happened this weekend. It's all coming at you on this week's episode of Bear With Me. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bear With Me. I'm Robert Schmitz, your host, and we're on Windy City Gridiron's podcasting brand, where me and Lester Wiltfong are currently putting out the best content we possibly can for all you Bears fans, especially now that with the Pro Bowl over, we've got a long time to wait before we see our Bears in action again. I'm excited to bring you guys the best content available, uh, especially now that we're finally releasing on a Monday morning. Pretty excited about that. Today's uh, agenda is going to primarily be about the Massey extension, breakout Bears stars, and I will actually cover the Pro Bowl a little bit. Uh, but without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into everything. First things first, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the Bobby Massey extension. So for those who don't know, Bobby Massey, the Chicago Bears right tackle, just got extended for the next four years. A lot of the contract details are still out there. I was really hoping that given the news of the extension dropped on Saturday, that today, I'm recording this on Sunday night, I would have a bit more detail, but all we know is based on an Ian Rappaport tweet to expect this deal to neighbor around $8 million per year. Now, let's say it does at a flat $8 million. For context, that's going to be the fifth highest paid right tackle in the NFL. And to me personally, that's a little rich for Bobby Massey. It's not that I think he's a bad player. I actually think he's a pretty solid player, but Top five money isn't exactly what I was expecting when I thought we might extend him. Now, granted, I was one of the crazy people that was hoping that we might actually go into the 2019 season starting Rashad Coward because how great would it be to have a right tackle starting that cheap? But hey, sometimes you don't get what you want. And if Highstand didn't think the Coward was ready, then I trust Highstand's opinion a whole lot more than I trust mine. I haven't actually watched the guy. That said... $8 million over four years more or less cleans out our big move cap for this offseason, given that, as I discussed in, I think that was two weeks ago's episode, we really didn't have a lot to work with. Right around $13 million in effective cap space, and that's taking the Dion Sims cut into account. Uh, given You have to remember when we're talking about cap space that the Bears still have to have a 53-man roster that's filled out with the players that are at least at vet minimum, which is around, let's say, $500 thousand dollars i think it's 75 $750,000, but let's say it's 500000 So you add up the fact that I believe the Bears are around 35, 36 uh, players under contract. It's going to take a little bit of money between the draft class and vet minimum to bring them up to the cap. So for all those out there that are thinking, ah, oh, let's just cut Sims and Acho and then bam, Massey signing. Well, well, yes, but we still have to fill out the rest of the roster. So I am hopeful we can still re-sign Bryce Callahan with this, but if all we get is Bobby Massey, again, that's not bad, 
I trust Pace ultimately a lot more than I trust myself, but I wouldn't call it good either. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. For some context, though, Nate Solder, uh, one of the left tackles, I believe, for the Giants, is getting paid $62 million over four years. So when you compare it to that, Bobby Massey's not getting the biggest money available, but he's absolutely getting paid on a level that you would expect out of what was ultimately going to be the best right tackle that was going to hit the UFC fame market. But now that we've covered the negatives a little bit surrounding the Massey extension, I would like to take a moment to go over the positives because this is not like some bad move. Again, can't emphasize it enough. This is not a bad move. Bobby Massey played his best season of football this last year as a Chicago Bear, in my opinion. Not to mention Massey has been somebody that we could count on, knock on wood, uh, to stay around all 16 games, which has been fantastic. Uh, Massey's continued growth inside this system means that high gets to coach him a little more as well as the Bears get to keep a little bit more of that wonderful always sought after continuity in the offensive line so in that regard this is really good him and Leno have been bookends for the Bears for the last three years all three years of Massey's contract not to mention Pace and the rest of the Bears staff get to keep that wonderful visual image of hey if you play well for us we're going to reward you with a good payday the problem that I see in the future is that you can't end up paying everybody. And we'll see if Ryan Pace and the rest of the powers that be in the Bears front office ultimately are able to work a little bit of contract wizardry going forward, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Once the details of the contract are a little bit clearer, we'll know more, but I can tell you one major takeaway. The Bears, Ryan Pace, and everybody inside the organization are making a push for 2019 and 2020, Mitch's last two rookie contract years. I do want to applaud them for the theory that they are using right now, which is, hey, we've got Mitch's money that we aren't paying him. Let's spend it and not sit on cap that doesn't matter. So to that end, I say thank you guys for not cheaping out and instead going out and getting some players you believe in. Now, is Massey the kind of guy that we can win the Super Bowl with? Again, probably. And I think that's all credit to Nagy. If Nagy thinks he can work with him, then I trust him too. That said, again, he's not the sexiest player to have on your right tackle bookend, but he's good enough. He's good enough for now, and that's the biggest thing that I can see. We now know, because we went into the offseason knowing that we had a probable hole at strong safety with Adrian Amos, a probable hole at slot corner with Bryce Callahan, and a major known hole uh, at right tackle. We don't have that anymore, so we're just down to those first two, which isn't such a bad place to be. And speaking of strong safety, that's going to lead really nicely into this next segment I've titled Breaking Bears. So this is going to be all about a couple of bears, I've got four for you, that I think are primed to play better in 2019 than they did in 2018. You might consider them breakout guys, you might consider them just to step up and play, but I got four for you. Let's get started. The first one that I see is Anthony Miller. Now, if you hear me talk much, you're going to hear that I love this guy. I think Allen Robinson is phenomenal on the Bears receiving line, and I think that Anthony Miller is just as good, and I mean that. When I watch Anthony Miller, I see the same kind of player that Antonio Brown is, somebody who is pretty fast in general, but he mostly just has wily instincts. He's got great moves, and once he gets accustomed in this league and develops chemistry with the young quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, I think he's going to tear it up. Believe it or not, and I've got a piece that I'm working on comparing Alshon uh, Jeffrey 
and his rookie year directly to Anthony Miller. Miller actually outperformed Alshon as he uh, caught 33 balls for 423 yards and seven touchdowns this year in 2018. While catching only around 400 yards may not sound like much to those of you who don't know how rookies usually do in the NFL, and I gotta be honest, I didn't either until I did the research, uh, this is actually really good for rookie wide receivers. Generally speaking, wide receivers take a second to adjust to the NFL and its tone and its temperament and its speed, just like how Alshon caught for about 300 yards and the great Antonio Brown only caught for about 180. Of course, a lot of this for both Alshon Brown and every other rookie wide receiver has a whole lot to do with usage and still learning the offense and all that stuff but Anthony Miller had the wonderful opportunity to flash how wonderful he is at making moves in the open field at various points in this season he had one touchdown in particular where he caught about a 30 yard teardrop and then broke a tackle and ran it in for a touchdown he's had multiple other screen bubble screen type plays where you can clearly see him kick a foot up and make a very unique set of moves uh, to gain that extra yardage and this is the mox type stuff that I like to see, especially when you take the fact that Anthony Miller by plenty was actually rated as the best wide receiver in the 2018 draft class uh, and the fact that his big flaw that was coming out of college, which was that he could occasionally drop the ball, just never really seemed to surface. I like Miller. He caught a lot of touchdowns. I think he's only going to get better. Uh, you know, I pitched this in my surprise cuts article that we did on Windy City Gridiron, but if there was a surprise trade that I was going to call right now, I think Gabriel might get traded. Again, I know, I'm, I'm talking crazy stuff. I'm coming up with ideas, but I really do see a world with the Bears if they wanted to clear out some cap space and take out the log jam so that Anthony Miller could just rise up and possess that number two role really strongly, that they might trade Gabriel to, again, free up the space, not to mention cash in on the fact that Gabriel just had his best season ever uh, in that number two receiver role. Some other team might want him. Hey, we'll see. I fully expect Taylor Gabriel to be a Bear in 2019, but if he got dealt, that wouldn't surprise me because I do expect a whole bunch of trades to happen this offseason, given that two of the teams that made the playoffs, the Bears and the Cowboys, both made huge trades that a lot of people could point to and say those trades were directly related to how successful they were, and I wouldn't call them crazy. Amari Cooper changed the Cowboys. My breakout star number two is going to be Deion Bush, and that's primarily because I think Adrian Amos is going to leave the team this offseason. I think Amos has priced his play out of the Bears' market. Adrian Amos, apparently in contract talks, according to reports that I'm seeing on Twitter, has brought up his pro football focus grade of like 93.3 or something, and that means that him and the Bears are just ultimately going to see his value as very, very different things. I don't blame Amos for wanting to get paid. A strong safety like him that has played the position fairly well should probably ask for that kind of money, but the Bears don't have a lot of that money to give. So I think Dion Bush is going to take over for Adrian Amos, and I actually think he'll play pretty well. I know the Bears' safety has been a turnstile, like their safety position after Major Wright, Chris Conti, and plenty of others basically since Mike Brown, but I think that playing second fiddle to Eddie Jackson just isn't that hard, and that Dion Bush, if all he's got to do is offer run support and lay the lumber that he can handle it in his I believe it'll be his fourth year yeah so I've got Dion Bush pegged as my number two breakout star
The third breakout star that I have on this list is, I'm sure you guessed it, Mitchell Trubisky. Now, my colleague Lester Wiltfong did a great dive into what it looks like for a second-year West Coast offense, Andy Reid-style offense, and what he found is that absolutely every single quarterback in the offense got better in year two from year one. Now, this isn't true for every offense, but in this Andy Reid, Matt Nagy-style West Coast thing they got going— Every single one did. And that's not to mention the fact that Trubisky, from John Fox to Matt Nagy's offense, already grew a lot. Let me hit you with some numbers. So Trubisky already experienced a 17.9 point increase in his passer rating and a 44.2 point uh, quarterback rating increase. So Trubisky's already grown a lot, which is perfect, because that's exactly what you want to see out of a quality rookie taking a big step in his sophomore year. That's where you're going to see the biggest jump, no matter what quarterback you're talking about but this was also his first year in a new offense so I think we're gonna see even better play he certainly seemed like in the Vikings game and the late Packers game and even the back half of that Philadelphia game Trubisky was playing much 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 better football than he did at the start of the year against Green Bay Arizona Seattle I don't know if you guys caught my article that I wrote on Windy City Gridiron about Trubisky's growth but he has grown a lot and it's been in his footwork it's been in his decision making it's been in his ball placement it has been in his command of the offense it really has been in everything and now that he's got an offseason to review a whole bunch of tape on division rivals on everybody in the NFL that he can hone his weaknesses he can go Go out and practice with guys whose names he knows. Because remember, he was thrown to Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, and Allen Robinson. All three guys who he had never met up until they were signed to play for the Bears in that first year in Nagy's offense. I think that familiarity is going to bring with it a lot of comfort that Trubisky can use to execute really, really well and play much better football for the Bears. I'm personally really excited about it. Now, my fourth and final breakout Bear is going to be our new running back. Because I think it's just the stars are aligned. It's become obvious to me the Bears are going to draft a running back or they're going to sign one, but my money is on a drafted running back. I don't know what this means for Howard. I know it doesn't mean much for Cohen. I think that between his 600 yards on the ground and 600 yards through the air, he's going to stick around and he's going to be a big part of that offense. But I'm expecting a new lead back. Again, whether that means that Howard gets moved outright or relegated to more of a power back smash for that one yard roll, I don't really know. I just know that Nagy doesn't love him as the feature back and that we're probably going to see a feature back. And I think that similar to Kareem Hunt in KC in Hunt's first year, boy, I really thought about not even just mentioning Hunt's name. We're going to see the same out of this new running back. I think he'll fit like a glove, that the offense will work perfectly for whoever does get drafted and that we will be able to move on from there. Uh, I think we'll see a whole lot more utilization out of the running back. I hope he can block, but but at least with catching passes and running, we'll see a lot more speed. It's going to fit that Nagy system, and it'll help free up more options for Trubisky and the rest of the offense going forward. So yeah, to quote those four over again, I'm thinking Anthony Miller is going to be the biggest Bear breakout star. I think Deion Bush is going to take a big step. Mitch Trubisky takes another step forward in his development, and the new running back, whoever it is on the Bears team that I personally think is going to get drafted, is going to be the fourth biggest pop star out of the Bears. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be more improvement from everybody. Like, I would expect Allen Robinson to crack that thousand yard mark, but 
at the moment, I'll just stick with those four. I gotta be honest, picking breakout stars was a little weird for these Bears because most people kind of broke out this year. Trubisky had a great year. Robinson kind of returned back to form. Gabriel literally had his best season ever, so it's hard to call him a breakout star. Tariq Cohen massively surpassed what he did in his first year. Eddie Jackson exploded. Hakeem Hicks made the Pro Bowl. Kyle Fuller had his best season ever. Khalil Mack is Khalil Mack. Hard to call him a breakout guy. So as far as who I'm expecting, I don't know if I could even call Bilal Nichols a potential breakout star, given that he already broke out. Almost all of the defense did. Roquan Smith could still take a step up, don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't exactly call him breaking out considering that for most of this year, he was legitimately in the conversation for Rookie of the Year. So yeah, between defensive continuity and all these other things I've just mentioned, I really think the only breakouts we're going to see are going to come from offense and whoever replaces Amos because I don't think that anybody not named Sherrick McManus or Bryce Callahan is going to have a particularly awesome season as a slot corner. I mean, hey, maybe we'll see somebody like Kevin Tolliver step in for injury replacements, but I'm not going to plan for injuries because <laughs> obviously every single Bear is going to be healthy in 2019, right? Right. That's what I thought. And that brings us to our final segment of the day, reviewing the Pro Bowl. Now, I will actually talk about what I care about, which is the Pro Bowl skills competition, in which I didn't think that the Bears performed all that well. I'm really excited Trubisky got to be a part of it, and in precision passing, he looked like he kind of belonged, especially given that he threw a great deep ball to his left, two great deep balls to his right, and it looked like he was really close, throwing zingers on those balls that he missed all over the rest of the field. Obviously, he kind of got robbed on that five point target but hey none of it matters anyways right uh i thought it was great that trubisky got to participate akeem hicks running the wrong way was pretty funny especially when he got drilled with that dodgeball holding his arms out if you haven't seen that twitter video go check my article on wcg it this is all pretty funny stuff i love the skills competition it makes more sense to me than the pro bowl game and that brings me to my thoughts on the pro bowl so before I can talk about what I think of the Pro Bowl, I think I've got to tell y'all a story. So I started this show about, what, 13 weeks ago? This is episode 13, so I guess it was 12 weeks ago, back in September. And ever since I did, I really have tried to bring as much research as I can when I talk about some of these things. I go watch the Bears games again, try to make sure I've got my facts and figures right, especially because I just want y'all to get the best content you can. I care about all y'all listening, just so you know. But the Pro Bowl... I mean, gosh, I knew when it was, and I still, I just couldn't get myself to watch it. I turned it on, and I saw one of those running plays they had where somebody kind of got near a defender, and the defender sort of put his arms around him, and they just blew the play dead, and I couldn't figure out why they didn't just play flag football. My goodness. I mean, it just looked like all those guys were out there wasting their time. I'm serious. And when they look like they are wasting their time, it makes me feel like, as a viewer, I'm wasting my time. And I get that they had fun. I get that stuff like Mike Evans playing defense, Alvin Kamara playing defense, a lot of offensive players playing defense, and some defensive players playing offense happened, but... 
that's not really why I watch football. And I mean it when I say this. I would so much rather watch a seven-on-seven flag football tournament with Aaron Rodgers and Mitch Trubisky throwing lasers all over these defensive backs that to pick it off and so on and so forth. I would much rather watch competitive flag football with more teams, more players, more tournaments than I would watch this absolute farce of a football game. The NFC got absolutely blown out by the AFC. It really looked like nobody cared. Guys were dropping balls that they never would drop in real games. Case in point, case in point of the Pro Bowl. If you want a one-play example of the Pro Bowl, Dak Prescott lofted a 40-yard touchdown bomb to Amari Cooper, his own receiver. So we're talking a quarterback and receiver combo that actually played on the same team. So chemistry isn't a problem, and it hits Amari Cooper in the face, and it bounces off for no points for the NFC. All this while the Texans guy guarding him, whose name I did not catch, just sort of gave up as soon as he saw Amari Cooper turn up field because this game didn't matter and they made uncharacteristic mistakes and they did dumb things and normally I like dumb things. Back when the Bears played the Seattle Seahawks and I'm gonna guess here but it was like the 2011-2012 NFC Championship, NFC Divisional Round, uh, we let Matt Forte throw a pass out of the Wildcat and he threw an interception and it's still in my opinion one of the funniest plays that I've just about ever seen the Bears run with Matt Forte getting that wild look in his eyes and him lofting the ball downfield and it's a horrible throw and it gets picked off I eat that stuff up I love it when we do things that are creative but this didn't feel creative this felt gimmicky felt like the NBA All-Star game where guys just sort of stand around and let each other dunk I mean why would I watch what is effectively a glorified practice when instead you could give me something like what the NHL is doing with their three-on-three tournament where maybe they don't fully care but they kind of care and that kind of caring turns into some kind of competition and kind of competition escalates into real competition I mean watch the way these guys play dodgeball they actually put a little bit of their athleticism into it they actually do a little bit of work in the NFL skills competition I mean seriously go back and watch it if you don't believe me they're kind of trying you don't get offensive defensive linemen that are going to push those coaches for about, what was it, 40 yards on accident. They don't do this on accident. So what I saw in the Pro Bowl... I saw Mitch Trubisky throw a really, really terrible interception. I don't know what to blame it on. It just looked awful. For those who didn't see it, he took the snap, he rolled right, and he threw it straight to a Broncos defender. Uh, Seriously, I don't know what happened there, but it was bad. That said, it was the Pro Bowl, and nobody cared. Kyle Fuller had a great interception off of Andrew Luck in which he stepped in front of the guy who he was guarding, and he picked off the pass, ran it back the other way. It was awesome. Go Kyle Fuller. But it still didn't matter, because no. None of them cared. You get the impression here. So yeah, I would love to see the NFL upgrade the Pro Bowl to something that's more watchable and something more playable for the players. It's becoming so obvious they don't want to hit each other. This was one of the worst non-hitting games that I've ever seen, and I've actually watched a couple of Pro Bowls. This one was especially bad about it. If they don't want to hit each other, then just make it illegal to do so, play flag football. Everybody can identify with flag football. I don't think that that'll decrease attendance. I guess I don't know, but it would be fun to watch. I would watch a flag football tournament. And there are a lot of arguments out there that suggest that we just don't need the Pro Bowl at all. And honestly, I don't think those are bad arguments either. Like I heard Robert Zaglinski say on Twitter, you don't need to fix the unfixable. The Pro Bowl was never really working, so why pretend we need to fix it? The truth is we just sort of need to upgrade it or do away with the whole thing altogether. All Pro, after all, is just a series of votes too. Why wouldn't the Pro Bowl be? I do hope they stick with 
something personally. I love watching the NFL skills competition and wouldn't mind seeing it expanded. I had this idea the other day where we do a kicking competition with all 10 of the guys who are on each squad competing in the skills showdown or whatever it is they call it, where you'd have uh, each player can only kick once, by the way, but you have 10 kicks, 10 t- kicks total. You have three from 20 yards, three from 30 yards, one from 35, one from 40, one from 45, and one from 60 worth two points. But each player on the team gets one kick. That means your kicker, who's in the roster, is probably kicking the 60-yarder, and from there you got to assign everybody else some experience based on who thinks they've got a shot in heck. So that means in this case you'd have seen Mitch Trubisky and Akeem Hicks both probably attempt field goals. I would eat that up. I think that'd be so fun where we get to see guys do things a little out of their comfort zone, a lot like watching them play dodgeball, which admittedly, again, I eat that up. I think it's great. But yeah, whether we do away with the Pro Bowl game, change it to flag football, let's just be honest and admit that the current format isn't particularly fun to watch. That's okay. If you don't want to hit each other, embrace the not hitting each other and do something else. Anyways, folks, that's my show today. I know it's a little shorter than usual, but hey, if I've got the opportunity to be time efficient on various subjects, I'm going to do my best to be time efficient. I may try to see if I can't bring in a couple more guests, but we'll see how all that goes. I'm feeling it out just as you guys are. Make sure you keep voting in the polls that I'm posting on WCG with the podcast episode. Tell me what you want me to do, and I would love to do it. I want to make a podcast that you want to listen to. If you think it's too long if you think it's too short please let me know hit me with a twitter follow at r-s-c-h-m-i-t-z i'm uh two eight so that's r schmitz 28 i am consistently trying to get better and better about tweeting i kind of started tweeting about six weeks into starting the podcast so i'm fairly new to the whole bit but i'd love to get to know y'all feel free to direct message me tweet at me i don't really care i just like the interaction it's a whole lot of fun uh but thank you so much for listening to me i have a blast doing this every week uh next week for the super bowl by the way i'm probably not gonna have a full show done by monday morning given how late the super bowl is but i am planning on doing sort of a super bowl special maybe it'll be like a six to ten minute blurb on how the game was and other to do surrounding that but we'll see i'll feel it out Anyways, thank y'all so much for listening, and as always, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.